welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hello, everybody. I am here today with Missy Bozer. Missy blogs at Getting Fit to Find Myself, and I love Missy. She is another one of those people that I met at BlogFest two years ago, and I just find her to be one of the most upbeat and inspiring and inspirational people. And so I wanted to have her on the podcast today so that you could all hear from her and learn some of the exciting things that she is up to. So welcome to the podcast, Missy. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, Your listeners can't see, but I'm blushing right now. I think that's the nicest introduction I've ever had. Oh, well, I just remember meeting you last summer and thinking that you were just so cool. Actually, I was drawn to you because I loved your hair. I think you have the cutest hair. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I will say I always I used to always tell my husband that I was forgettable until I got this haircut. Um, and now I'm not forget- Like, my hair makes me stand out. So um, uh, Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. So you're a blogger. And I am. Like you said, in the intro, you blog at Getting Fit to Find Myself. What made you start blogging? Uh, I started blogging. So um, in 2012, I I think we're going to hit this in a few minutes, but it's why I started blogging. So I'll, I'll give you the backstory. Yeah. In 2012, I, I committed to a new healthy lifestyle. Um, and I don't like to do things I like to do things by myself, but I need support. And I found blogs to be extremely supportive. It was nice to read where people were, what they were going through when they were trying to lose this weight. Um, And so I actually started reading a couple blogs um, when I was doing that and really never expected to start my own blog. Um, And I was out for a run one day and just kind of went, you know what? I, at that point in time, had lost the weight and I was more in a maintenance phase and wanted to um, document what it was like to be in maintenance, but also document what it was like for someone who was never, quote unquote, an athlete. Um, I didn't start running until after I lost weight. I was okay. I was a cheerleader in high school. I was in speech. I was in drama, but I wasn't in sports. Um, I wouldn't even classify, classify myself as anybody who was active or an athlete. And, um, I wanted, I wanted a place where I could document that and show others that just because you didn't associate yourself as someone who was active earlier in life, doesn't mean that later in life you can't be. And so that's, that's where the blog came from. And, um, in the middle of the night, no exaggeration, I woke up like in a sweat with getting fit to find myself in my head and wrote that down, went back to sleep and, it just always seemed like the right name. And so that's, that's actually how I started blogging and, and how the name came to be. I love the name. And that's a great, great background story for, for how it came to be. Now, another thing that you said was that our, our stories are super similar. So they are. They are. How we both kind of came about it later in life. And I was also a cheerleader and really involved in high school, but by no means any sort of an athlete. And I was almost 40, it was around my 40th birthday that I started running. And so I love what you have to say just about 
you can come and start doing all of these things later in life. You don't have to be somebody who thought of yourself as an athlete to start taking care of your body and, and doing just, just being more active. I think that's so important. Like I was, I was in my early to mid thirties. I, I was 33 when I started and um, I don't, you know, I, again, I wasn't, I didn't do anything before, but once the bug bit me, I fell in love with it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with starting later in life and, and loving it and it becoming something that's, that you're passionate about. Um, and so um, I just wanted, I want people to know that just because you didn't do it before doesn't mean you can't do it now. Yeah. So you also blogged and said, I think I read in your blog that you feel that running is transformational, that it's just, it's not just about how it transforms you physically. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I drink the running Kool-Aid. Um, and I will say, me too. I will say that it's honestly life-changing and I do really, really mean that in a lot of different ways. And, and I've had some struggles with running. Um, I, I'm not a fast runner and I'm okay with that. I'm, um, I could run forever, but I can't run fast. Um, but it's, it's a place for me to go and be me and have my own time and think through my thoughts or completely ignore my thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. It's my time. It's where I get to be me. Um, and by doing, by going out and running, um, it's, it's therapy. And I'm very open about the fact that I see a therapist, but it's my extra therapy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's changed me. It's allowed me to deal with things that maybe before I struggled with. And, and what I mean by that is, I can process. I have time on these runs to think about them, um, to figure out what a plan is, um, or I have time on these runs to run it out and get it all out and come back and be a different person when I get home. I had a friend once who told me, like, I was really upset and just sad, kind of depressed, but not like the technical description (laughs) of depressed, but just like just really blue, I guess, for a period of time. And I had a friend who told me, go run until you feel like your heart is going to explode and then run some more. And I was like, what? And, you know, I don't recommend anybody like running so hard that they're going to hurt themselves. But I think if you run with just that much, I don't know, what is it? Just with all those emotions behind you and you run and run and run and you just run it out, you do end up Something happens. I don't know. I, I'm with you. Something happens and you work it out while you're running and you do end up feeling better by the time you're done. You're absolutely right. So that's the hard part. So it's a great question you asked, but I can't articulate it because mm-hmm. it, I, it's, it's magical. It really is magical. Like you go out for this run. I started running to lose weight. I, <clears throat> Me too. I wanted to lose weight. And so I'm like, well, I'm doing everything else. The next thing I can do is run. Never in my life did I think that Never, never, I didn't start running to say, Hey, I'm going to go run a half marathon or I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing triathlons because I'm running. Like that was never a plan. It was never even to run a race. It was just to go lose weight. And then all of a sudden I'd get out there and it'd be like, Oh, well, this feels good. And then I'd go a little further and it's like, Oh, this feels great. And then it built my self esteem. It, It allowed me to process things that maybe. I couldn't process other places. Um, you know, my therapist and I have talked about when you're out on the run, you're not looking at people. You're not, you're just doing your thing and it's a place for you to be. And, um, it just, it really has been life changing. And, 
I lost running for a short period um, and I'm just getting back at it. And I will be also very honest. I actually just came from a therapy session (laughs) Um, and we were talking about it and I, I'm going through, we've got some, our dog has cancer right now, which she is my child and it's been difficult. And the only reason I think that I am, capable of dealing with this all is because I have made sure those runs happen and I have a place to go out and get it all out. And, you know, some days they're going to be good runs and some days are going to be bad runs, but it's my time to get away from everything. And I think that's so important. And I wish that there was a way, I think that's why I love interviewing people like you and you know, people who understand people who get it because you don't have to be fast to be a runner. You don't have to be fast to get the benefits of it, but I mean, just to try to get you know, one more person on the show who can articulate what the fascination is with running. And I've kind of been on that kick lately where, because I'm not fast either. And after, since my breast cancer treatment, I mean, I've just had a lot of struggles and I don't know if I'm ever even going to be able to get back to where I was, but I love to run and it just, just being outside and being in nature and just all the it just makes you feel better. But, um, but I've been trying to work on um, just getting across the idea to people that you don't have to be fast. You really don't even have to run. If you're going out and walking at a brisk pace, I think you're still going to get those life transforming benefits of just that, that we're talking about here today. I completely agree with you. I'll be really honest. I have a couple people in my life right now Um close friends and then acquaintances who are wanting to run, but they're dealing with, they're concerned about their pace and they're concerned about how fast they're going. And, and I don't know for me if it's that I've been running for five years and I've just adjusted to the fact that, or become okay. I don't know how I've gotten to a point like pace means nothing to me. I I truly don't, if I get faster, great. That's, that is an added benefit, but the benefit for me to go out and run is it's a place to think. It's a place to see what's going on in the world, meaning like there's nothing better than going for a run on Sunday morning and seeing the people, the other people out for runs or going to church or, you know, out in their front yard with their dog or watering their grass. I love that. And that's why I go out for runs. I don't go out for runs to get faster. I don't go out for run Like, I don't care about that. I care about just being healthy. Yeah. So I'm coaching some people right now that are on quite a variety on the spectrum of like Boston marathoner. And I have a woman trying to break a three hour marathon. So, I mean, they would be super fast, but I also have people that I'm coaching who are just recreational. Oh, let's just go out and run or, you know, just to finish that bucket list half marathon. But I'm kind of in that phase right now where I just want to go run for fun. And I just have no desire to sign up for a race and have to get there early and worry about (laughs) making it through the porta potty line or if, you know, if it's too hot, but you know, just, I I just right now, I, I think you kind of go through different seasons where different things are important to you and it doesn't it doesn't really matter how fast or slow you are or if you want to race or if you just want to get to get, run by yourself to think things out or if you want to get together with a group of girlfriends to go do like a bucket list race and again just do it for fun I mean there's so many different reasons why people run and I think that's part of the the exciting part of that 
Hey everyone, my name is Kim Peek. I am your hostess for Power Up Your Performance. I am a running, fitness, and triathlon coach who empowers women through movement. I believe that you are never too old or too out of shape to move and feel better. There is so much research that shows that exercise, that movement is not just beneficial for our hearts, but it is good for our moods and it is good for our brains. And I want to help you think, feel, and live like a champion. I would love it if you would follow me on social media at Power of Run. And if you're interested in checking out some of my courses, head on over to crushingmygoals.com and click on the link for the store. I also have lots of freebies that you can use just to see what I'm all about. So also head over to my website and just check out the homepage, scroll about midway down, and you'll see lots of free options for things just to get a sample of some of my programs. Now on with the show. I agree. I agree. I think, and that's where I think I personally feel like you have to have a reason to run. I do. Or a, a why, why you're running. I, I think that it's a lot, it's a lot more motivating when you have a why, but it's gotta be your why. It's not, I, I strongly believe it shouldn't be someone else's why. Yeah. Um, meaning, you know, I'm, you know, if you want to run because your husband runs, then you need a strong, I personally believe you need a stronger why than that, mm-hmm. because then you're not doing it for you. You've got to have a reason that you're running for you. And if you do that, you will really love it. I really believe that you'll really love it. Whether you're fast, slow, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it's a, you will enjoy it much more. Yeah, I agree. So you said earlier that you had to take a break from running and I think that is related to an accident that you had last year or a little over a year ago. Yep, you are correct. Um, February 2016, I um, was out for a run. I live in Minnesota for your listeners. So we'll give some context here. I was out. Um, I was at home. It was the middle of the day and I wasn't feeling well. And I always joke. My mom believes that fresh air makes you feel better when you don't feel well. Um, and so she said she, she lives in in a different state and we were talking on the phone and she said, you should just go out for a run. You're not feeling well. You'll feel better if you go for a run. And if you don't, at least, you know, you, you tried something like you're just not feeling well, try this. And she was right. It was gorgeous. It was February, but the temperature was, I, I love or loved winter running. Um, it was a gorgeous temperature. I put on all my stuff. I headed out and midway through the run, it started to snow. Um, and as I was getting closer to the end, I started heading home. And as I was coming down a hill, I hit a patch of ice, which was covered by snow. So I didn't see it. Um, and when I hit that ice, I knew it wasn't going to be good. I was like I said, coming down a hill. So I had a nice amount of speed. I came off my feet. Oh. Um, my head hit first. At that point in time, I was knocked out and um, came to about five minutes later, still on the street. Uh, no one found me. I came to on my own. Oh, no. And when I say five minutes, um, that's the assumption. I kind of looked at my watch before the fall. I looked at my watch after. Right. It was somewhere around five minutes. Um, I got myself up. Um, it was the middle of the day in a suburb 
where there's just not a ton of traffic. And I lived in a very residential area. So I wasn't surprised no one came upon me. It it, it wouldn't be um, a shock that no one would be there for several hours. And so brought my, came to, walked home about a half mile. Um, Side story is my husband was traveling for work. So I got home and knew most likely I had a concussion. I, I, I got knocked out. I hit my head real hard. By the time I came to and even started coming home, I had a baseball on the back of my head already. Oh, wow. Um, and I was home for about a half an hour and started to throw up. And the very little bit I knew about com- um, concussions was that when vomiting happened, it was not good. So I um, got myself to the hospital where I was... Um, <clears throat> diagnosed with a major concussion. Um, I was out of work for, I tried to go back to work um, three times. And finally, an old running coach who is also a friend of mine um, reached out to me and said, Missy, I'm pretty sure you have a traumatic brain injury. It's not a concussion. It's a traumatic brain injury. And being the the independent strong person I think I am. I'm like, Oh no, it's not a traumatic brain injury. I don't want to take those resources away from somebody. I'm not going to go to, it's a concussion. We'll figure this out. And another week went by and it wasn't getting better. In fact, it was getting worse. And so I ended up um, taking the referral from my girlfriend who worked for, um, she's a nurse practitioner Um, And she worked for um, Hennepin County Medical Center, which has one of the best traumatic brain injury centers in the United States. Um, I went to my first appointment, still living under the assumption that it was just a major concussion. It was going to get better. And I sat in that appointment and the doctor walked in and she listed everything I was experiencing. She knew exactly how I felt. She told me, um, showed me things that I didn't even want to admit out loud. And right then and there, I think it was March 4th, I was diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury and um, was out of work until June of 2016. I spent uh, four days a week going to therapy. So I went to physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and then I also saw a therapist because as you can probably imagine, there's a lot of of emotional stuff that comes with oh that. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Um, and I saw the speech therapist and the physical therapist for um, four months. I saw the occupational therapist for closer to six or seven months. And um, again, I've already alluded to it. I've been seeing a therapist for a long time. So I saw the same therapist. I still see her. I still go to her. We still talk about things. Um, and so it was, it was a lot of rehab. Um, and then as you mentioned, so I said, I, I hadn't been running. Um, obviously when you suffer traumatic brain injury, there's recovery that comes with that. And even though I was out of therapies, there was still my body and brain were still healing. Um, and so I've tried to run several times. I had tried starting running again several times. Um, and my body just, and when I say body, I mean brain, my brain was just not ready for that. Um, and it shut me down each time, which was really hard because, um, when you go from, and I think we kind of alluded to this, I, I, I started a healthy um, lifestyle in 2012. And in that healthy lifestyle, I lost about 100 pounds. And um, when you when you 
are not healthy to being healthy. And then that gets taken away from you. Um, and yes, I had some control over my eating, but I'll be very honest. I didn't at that time because you've got to eat healthy fats and you've got to eat what you can eat when you can eat because your body just is in such shock. Um, that I put on some weight, I needed to heal. And so I have tried probably three times since my accident to start running. And it wasn't until, um, this summer, um, probably I'll, I'll say this year, I started being more physically active in January and I just kind of slowly added things. And now I, um, am fully training. Um, I'm running about 20, anywhere from 18 to 25 miles a week and my body is fully accepting it. And, um, it's, it's back to being something I really love. Um, so yes, I, I lost running for a while, but, um, it's now back and I am happy to say, cause I did question for a while too, if I would love running, obviously when you suffer a, when you have an accident from running, it, it can be kind of scary. Um, and so, but um, the love is still there, and uh, I will say I've always said I'll never run um, in the winter again, but I'm back out there running, and I, I have to say that there's thoughts that uh, I'm going to give winter running a try again. Good for you. What a long road, though, and how scary. I'm, I'm so glad that you, I mean, middle of winter and you're on in the middle of the road, I'm so glad that you woke up on your own I was on the side of the road. Let's well, okay. Just, yes, let's, not in the middle. Right, right. Yeah, yes. But no, I, I, I had you got up on your own because you could have frozen there waiting for people to come well, to or find you and your husband's. Yeah, yeah. I know it's. You know, I I was just talking to our neighbor the other day about all of this, and she's like, "You have the story," and I'm like, "No." I said, "I do have the story. Like, I've lost a hundred pounds. I found exercise. Oh, and I hit my head while being while exercising. I'm like." Honestly, this is one of those things that if, if, if I, if I didn't live it, I would believe it was made up. Yeah. That's, oh, what a story though. So do you find any time that you have to take a break from running that it's just, I always feel like I have to remind myself, okay, you love running because it's so hard. Those first, maybe even first for me, two months are so hard, but I have to constantly tell myself, you love running. This is something you love to do. It's going to get easier. Just get past this tough part. Um, I, yes. So I'm struggling to articulate how, um, I wanted to quit so many times this, this last time because, um, I'm, I'm slower again. I don't mind that I'm slow, but I'm slow. And so now I'm slower than slow. Um, and it's not as easy as it was. It, I'm, my feet hurt and my back hurts. It, it, it doesn't anymore, but to your point, those first few months and, um, I just, I ran a race not too long ago and I ran it and I went, well, there's no way I'm going to be ready. My, my body's not ready. I'm not going to hit my goals. And, um, I said to myself, Missy, slow down and, and I went back and I looked at what I was doing when I was training for the same race three years ago. I'm faster than I was then. I'm running as much 
if not more, I'm much more consistent. And so here I'm telling me myself, you know, I hate this. I don't want to be doing it. When in all reality, I'm doing better than I was three years ago, but yet my mind isn't there. And so, yes, I totally, it's funny how, to me, I think it's all, it's all mental. Um, my body's obviously doing it. My body is, is 40 pounds heavier, 30 pounds heavier than it was when I did, when I was running my best three years ago, yet I'm running just as fast, even though I think I'm slower, I'm running just as fast. I'm running the same distance. And so, yeah, it's hard and I have to, it's, there is, there's a lot of mental talk that has to happen on some of these runs. I've got to tell myself I can do it. Um, but now that I'm kind of over the hump of now it doesn't hurt anymore. My back doesn't hurt. My feet don't hurt. My legs don't hurt. Um, now it's more of the Missy, you can do this. I need to stop saying I can't do it, or I'm not going to be the same as I was before. It's different. And I just have to be okay with it being different this time around. And maybe it's going to be better. Maybe it's going to be worse. Maybe it's going to be the same, but it's different. And I just have to live a different journey. And I can't think about what it was before. I love that. That is such, that's such great advice for just anybody to follow. It's like, don't compare yourself to who you used to be. Don't compare, don't jump ahead and think about just be where you are right now and find joy in where you are today. That's, that's exactly it, Kim. I thank you for saying it that way. It is live where you are today. You know, that's what I, so I will say I'm type A. And so when this accident happened, it was my old self or my previous self or this, this, this life versus my last life. And I had to move past that. I had to move past to it's not now and then, or this and it's, it's, it's what's going, it is now, I should say. It's not my previous life versus my new life or my old brain versus my new brain. It's now. And I live now and I'm living in now and I need to stop worrying about what happened before. That's over. It's in the rearview mirror. I need to look forward. Um, and I can't control what's going to happen in the future, but what I can control is right now. And I need to live here now. And I need to not worry about what I did before. And I think that's what people have to learn. You take, you, you asked about, you know, taking the breaks and what it's like. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to come back, but things that we all have to keep in mind is when we take these breaks, we're not the same person we were when we took the break, we took the break for a reason. You know, you've had a kid or you've had a, you've had an injury, something's changed over that time. And so when you start running, you have to remember you're not the same person you were when you were before. And Mm -hmm. when you can accept that, and I will tell you that it's hard to accept that, but when you can, I will also tell you that it gets a whole lot better after that point. Yeah. So you are so inspiring. And I'm sure you have all these people who knew you before you lost all the weight who were like, Missy, what is your secret? Or do you have people, what, what are your best tips for somebody who is trying to make that switch to an active or more healthy lifestyle? What do you tell them? I tell them, take it, take it one step at a time. We live in a world right now. And, and if I, if I leave any piece of information with anybody, this is the one piece. And this is what has been my platform since I started blogging. Take it one step at a time. We all want these immediate results. We want everything to happen overnight and it's all got to be perfect. Well, guess what? That's not the way the real world works. And so don't start exercising today. Don't start counting calories today. 
don't, you know, throw everything out and read every self self-help book all at one time. Cause that's just not going to work. And that's my, I mean, that's my opinion. Um, but that's my experience too. So when I lost the hundred pounds the first time around, all I did was focus on food for the first six months. And I lost 50 pounds in those six months. Like I just worried about what was going in my mouth. I didn't worry about running. I didn't worry about working out. I didn't worry about anything, but what I was eating. And then I added in the activity, (coughs) excuse me. And then more weight started to come off. And then I added in more activity and started actually training and more weight started to come off. I never once tried to do it all at one time because I knew that once I started putting more and more pressure on myself, I just would push it all away and say, I'm done. I'm not going to do it. And, and that's not what you need. And I will say that I haven't always followed that advice. And so after my accident and I've put on 50 pounds and I want to lose this 50 pounds, I start running on the same day that I start eating healthy and I'm reading, um, I don't know what self-help book it was at that point in time, but I'm reading all of it and I'm going to just, it's all going to be better. Well, guess what? Two weeks later, I'm, I'm at the point where I can't do it. Part of it was my body or my brain. It said, you're not ready. And the other part was, I just didn't, I tried to do too much at one time. Um, In January, I decided to take my own advice and I just started working out and that's all I did. I started working out and now I work out and do monitor my food intake. And since January, and this is not, I, since January, I've lost a nice amount of weight. Um, and I'm also in a different mindset. The other thing I would say is it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think I'm kind of saying that in the other part, but this time around, there's no timelines. There's no nothing. I don't have to be perfect. I can live life and do what I want to do and still be healthy at the same time. So For me, what I want people to really understand is that if you have a large amount of weight to lose or even a small amount of weight, take it step by step. Don't do it all at one time. Set yourself up for success. And if you take it step by step, you'll be far more successful than trying to do everything at one time. And I love this idea of focusing on one thing at a time because everybody gets overwhelmed when we try to do too many things at once. And that's just it. That's the thing. You might be doing okay, but at some point in time, it's all going to get too much. So once you've got, so once you've got a habit, I suppose is what, what I would want to say is, you know, if it's eating and you've, you've got that down and you're comfortable with it and it's everyday life, then you're okay to add something. But when you don't have those like nailed down, it gets to be overwhelming. And what do we do when we're overwhelmed? We shut down. We don't thrive in overwhelm. We, we barely survive. Right. And I know another thing you mentioned, which is kind of a hot topic for me right now, is the idea of perfection. I had Petra Colber on the show a couple weeks ago, and she's somebody that we heard talk when we were in San Diego this year. And so it's, I think, been a big topic among all of the BlogFest attendees. Just the idea, Petra's book is Perfection Detox, as you know. Um, I might have been reading the first chapter before um, this interview. It came awesome. yesterday. <laughs> but, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, we all we all been talking about this. You don't have to be perfect, and I think that that is such a big thing. I think it could be life changing for women if they could just get it through. If we could all just get it through our heads that you don't have to be the perfect anything to anybody. You don't have to be perfect at your workouts. You don't have to be perfect at your eating. You just have to be 
the best you you can be right now. And I think, you know, I think Kim, the perfection detox is great. I think everybody should read it. Um, after listening to Petra, I've, I've been a perfectionist my whole life and I know that, and I'm working really hard. I, I, I would like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. There's no recovering here. I'm still fully into it. I'm just maybe more conscious of it. Um, and even though I'm conscious in some areas, I, I, I'm not conscious in other areas. So after right. we listened to Petra, um, I, 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 I will admit that I maybe teared up during her um, talk at um, Blogfest um, because I went into Blogfest when you are someone, as we've kind of talked about, who's lost a hundred pounds and I was fit and active and, and then you're in this room or you're going to be in this room with a, you know, 150 fitness, health and fitness bloggers. I was an absolute mess going into Blogfest because I wasn't going to be fit enough. I wasn't going to be active enough. And I was comparing myself to every one of these people in this room. And let's be honest, you've interviewed so many of our fellow Blogfesters. We're all really awesome people and don't judge. Most of us aren't looking at the next person and judging them. But here's what I'm thinking going into Blogfest is they're all thinking how fat I am and how I'm not active and how do I even fit in here? And I'm listening to Petra and we're halfway. I've already went to an event the night before with half these women and not a single person's thinking anything like that about me. They're excited to see me. They're telling me how great I look and oh, it's been too long and all of that. And here I'm worried about how perfect I'm supposed to be. Right. And I think it is super intimidating to go to that event, especially once you get outside of our blog fest circle of all the people that you know are warm and fuzzy and supportive. You get out into the regular convention, you're like, I mean, I feel that way too. I feel like everybody's looking at me like, who is she? Does she belong here with us? She's not one of us. I mean, I, I totally get, I get everything you're saying because I think, I don't, but I don't get why we do that to ourselves because well, it really shouldn't be what people are looking at and caring about. So I went down a tangent. What I wanted to say, because you're right, I am a perfectionist. I mentioned, I think I need to, we all think we need to do things perfect. What I want to stress there is that we all, whether, you know, um, I'm much better than I was before. I'm very conscious and aware of things that I maybe wasn't prior to my accidents. Um, I'll, I'll say I'm maybe a recovering type A person. So I'm not quite so type A anymore because I know that I can't continue to live that and be successful. But we all, even if people have it all going on the front and we think that they're so confident or there's not that, we've all got those feelings. And it's okay to recognize that we have them, but what's not okay is to stay there. We don't have to be perfect. And if you're doing it perfect, it's not going to last forever. And that's not realistic. Yes. So another thing that I love about this is we've been talking here about, you've mentioned a few times that you've gone to see a therapist and we're talking about the perfectionism. And when we listened to Petra talk, she talked a little bit about how anxiety almost made it so her career in the form that it is now didn't even take off. And I know you have anxiety. It's kind of a hot, hot button for me because one of my daughters also is very open about her anxiety. And so I'm always super curious when I hear, meet other people who are learning to cope and deal and thrive in the world with anxiety. I'm always curious how they're doing it. So 
tell us a little bit about whatever you would like to share on that topic. So I'm, you know, Kim, you've known me for a while. I'm an open book, but when it comes to mental illness, I'm an even more open book. I will share anything and everything because I feel like in our world today, nobody or very few of us share what's going on. We keep it all locked up and it becomes taboo to talk about. And then you, you know, you have an anxiety attack and you can't share there was an anxiety attack. I just don't feel good. I can't come into the office today because you don't want people to know that it's anxiety. Well, guess what? Anxiety and cancer aren't the same thing. I'm not saying they are, but they're both illnesses. And we have to, we, I, I'm a believer that we have to recognize them the same way. Um, meaning you're, you're no worse because you have anxiety. You're not a bad person. There's nothing wrong with you. You have chemical imbalances that, that cause this. It's not like as someone who is a true anxiety sufferer, I don't want to have anxiety. Like I don't want to be the one who has it and can't go somewhere because I'm being anxious or, you know, I, I have sound triggers and that sort of thing. So I can't go out. I don't like to go out to big events. Well, I can't let that be the reason I don't do things. And, and so I want people to be, I want to be open about it. I'm very open about it. I write about it on my blog because I want it to be okay to talk about. We're not, you know, nobody wants to, Kim, you know, you've had cancer. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's not a great conversation to have, but we're okay to talk about cancer, but somehow it's not okay to talk about anxiety or depression or bipolar, but it is okay. And the more that we talk about it, the better it will get for people. And people like me who have anxiety are going to be more open to share. And then people who aren't as open are going to know there's others going who have it and are dealing with it. And so how do I live with anxiety? Um, I pick my battles. I know where I'm going to have issues versus where maybe they're not as bad. Um, And sometimes I just make myself do something I don't want to do because I know it's going to be me, be, make me anxious or it's going to possibly cause an anxiety attack, but I can't live my life in fear. And that's how I, that's how I feel. Um, if I know that I'm having a, a particularly bad anxiety time. So <laughs> with my anxiety, I have, um, I am diagnosed with generalized anxiety. However, my generalized anxiety actually triggers depression. So if my anxiety gets too far out of, out of whack, I actually get I then have depression. Hmm. Um, so if I can keep my anxiety in check, um, which is where I learned, I haven't always gone to a therapist. I started seeing a therapist in my late twenties and that's where, um, through lots of testing and, and talking where we found out that I went for depression. I went to this doctor and we thought I was just a depressed person. And what we found out was that I'm a really anxious person who, when my anxiety gets out of check, I become a depressed person. Hmm. Um, and I don't say that I suffer from these when you, you will see when, um, any blog post, I'm really conscious of not using the word suffer. Cause this is, this is not, um, I want people to think it's not as bad. It's not this bad thing. And so I deal with it. I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. I, I have learned my triggers. I also know that I do these things. So I catch myself in the point of, you know, getting really anxious. And it's like, Whoa, Missy, you're getting anxious. Calm down. Like there's, I understand it's your brain, but a lot of times it's not always rational to other people. And it's like, calm down. It's going to be okay. You've made it 37 years to this point and you're going to make it probably another 37. And so (laughs) 
I'm really careful uh, about, you know, how I talk about it. I'm careful about what I do, but I'm not careful. I also put myself in situations like we just, I, it's something I have, I deal with it, but I don't let it run my life. Um, and when I do, I end up in a depressed state and I don't want to be there. So. Well, thank you for addressing that and talking about it, because I think that the more we talk about these things, the more people start to understand them and the more we make it acceptable to talk about anxiety and depression, you're going to save lives and help people get treatment and help people have a better quality of life because they understand that it's not something that they have to hide. I, I agree. My favorite blog post that I've ever written, and it's an old blog post, was the blog post I wrote about having anxiety and anxiety makes me who I am. I'm a, I'm a real believer that I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for my anxiety. My anxiety makes me a driver. It pushes, I push myself hard because of it. Um, and everybody sees it as, an, so many people see these as negatives. Well, guess what? In my life, I, I don't love that I have it, but it's gotten me to the point I am today. And I, I really strongly believe that if I didn't have anxiety, I wouldn't be as success, successful as I was, as I am. Yeah, I love it. So I want people to know that. Like, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. You can make it a good thing. Yeah, and I think it's important to realize, too, that if you're working with a mental health professional, you don't necessarily need drugs. They might decide you need medication, but they might give you other strategies and tools for dealing with that. Do you think that's also true? I think it's so true, Kim. I guess we we were talking about this, and I didn't hit on it. Once I started running... I came off all my medications. Ah. So for me, running was was the therapy I needed. I was on several medications prior to running. Um, once I found running, um, it's my therapy. I want to really stress um, that for other people, it might be knitting. It might be something else. But for me, mm-hmm. that's why I do say running is life-changing is because it's what helps me control my anxiety. So when I talk about it's my therapy, it really is my place to go out and deal with some of the emotional stuff that I maybe can't deal with everywhere else. Somehow it works for me on a run. And so when, when I started running, I came off all my medications. Um, but there's nothing wrong with being on medications. It just, I, I believe that you have ebbs and flows. Some people need them all the time. Some people need them at at their lows. Um, medications have, I believe are right for people who need them. Um, meaning if you need them, use them. They're, they're a therapy that are there for you. So if you don't need them, don't take them. And just because you have anxiety doesn't mean you have to be or depression or you don't have to be on a medication, but it's not a bad thing to be on one either. Mm -hmm. And I think I've also seen you post about this. I think it is so exciting all of the new research that is coming out talking about the whole brain connection with the benefits to your brain when it comes to exercise. And running is definitely one of those things, but it's not the only thing you can do. And there's so much research out there that talks about how running isn't just exercise. It's not just good for your heart. Now they're seeing that it's good for your brain and helping with mental health issues. And again, I'm always careful to make sure I say that I'm not saying that you should only run and that you don't need counseling, that you don't need medication, because these are all tools to help you deal with it. But um, 
anyway, yeah, I think it's just so exciting. Some of the newer research that shows how exercise can help the brain. It's, I went to, uh, I might slaughter this. I believe it's Dr. Susie Suzuki. Um, she was here in the twin cities not too long ago. Um, and she's done a ton of research behind it. And, um, she does Tai Chi maybe. I can't remember, but she actually had us up doing it as during her, during, cause she's actually a researcher. She started, she's a science, she has her PhD in science and started doing this, started going to a class and realized, um, the benefits she was getting from the class. So she actually became a certified group fitness instructor and she uses that when she's uh, doing her research. Um, and so, I think it's amazing these benefits that we're seeing from exercise. And it's not just like, oh, I'm going to have a stronger heart and lungs. It's going to help my brain. And, and in my experience, it has very much helped my brain. Um, and that's, I want to echo exactly what you just said. Everybody has their tools in their toolbox that help with their, their life and what work. And so if medication's that tool in your toolbox, that's great. If exercise is that tool in your toolbox, that's great. If you want to go down a level and running is that tool, that's great. But nothing, everybody's experience and their tools are going to be different. So if I talk about running, it doesn't mean I think everybody should run. What I talk, that's, those are my tools. And your Mm -hmm. tools, like I said, could be knitting, but you have your own tools. Right, right. So I have kept you way longer than I promised because I just get carried away when I find somebody who is into all these same things that I am. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about or work about? I think I have, I have loved my time with you, Kim. I always do. Um, but I've probably talked enough. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, sure I, I'm at my limit now. All right. Well, let's make sure that people know how to find you so that they can follow your Facebook page and your blog and all that. So you can find me, um, my blog is Getting Fit to Find Myself, the longest blog title in the history of blog titles, not sure what I thought there, but it's Getting Fit to Find Myself, That's you can also find me there on Facebook um, and Instagram. All right, well thank you so much, it was always great to talk to you. I loved it, thank you so much. And it sounds like I'm turning this off at just the perfect time. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week, and I will catch you next Tuesday.